This episode of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Text Control, the creator of the fully featured document editor library for .NET and Angular applications. Did you know their libraries also provide powerful PDF functionality? Instead of programming PDF documents, you can simply use Microsoft Word templates and merge them with data to create pixel-perfect PDF and PDF-A documents. You can easily add fillable form elements like form text boxes, checkbox fields, and drop-down elements to your PDF files. TX Text Control provides developers the complete solution to handle PDF documents in business processes. Try it free and see the live demos at textcontrol.com slash demos. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're uh, recording today from the Oh My God, I Can't Believe That Thing Still Exists department. <laughs> <laughs> We have been uh, using a virtual reality version of uh, on a, a web VR version of Windows 3.1 that includes dial-up. <laughs> You're giving away your better know framework before we better know. Let's run the music because this is so good. But oh, I want to bring in Matthias too because this okay. is so much so much fun. Run the music. <laughs> All right, buddy. What do you got? All right, I've I've already piqued your interest. So yes, if you want to see this, go to seventeen twelve dot because it's show seventeen twelve, and you will see this. First of all, I just want you to look around the room. You see the yeah. Windows three one, but click in there, and you notice this says Escape to release. That's really important because yeah. you could. You know, you press escape and then press, uh, you know, just click outside and drag and look around the room. This is Jolt a Windows. Cola, oh, God. Three and a half inch floppies. A TV stuff. with a cathode ray tube, a payphone. Yeah, what's up with a payphone? That's weird. <laughs> I think they just, I think they just put that in there for, you know, 80s nostalgia. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. And on the. Well, oh, I see some- too. Merrick, I remember that. Oh, it's crazy. And a bunch of old PCs. Welcome to three old guys talk about code. Yeah, this is hilarious. And then, of course, on your screen, a cathode ray 2 screen, by the way. I think I even recognize it. I think it's a ViewSonic. It's <laughs> yeah, a ViewSonic, that's right. ViewSonic. But does it the goals? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you need a screensaver. Um, um, Paint Shop Pro is installed, WinZip. Uh, you've got Minesweeper and all the games. There's even a MAME emulator and you can play Pac-Man, but you know, run it and go get a coffee because it's kind of slow. It's MAME. It's not going to be that fast. It's MAME running on an emulated, probably what, 386? Something. I don't know. (laughs) How far have they gone with this bit of insanity? So when you clicked on Netscape, that's when we heard that modem sound? Yep. <laughs> Trumpet windsock automatically fired. David Treadwell. David <laughs> Treadwell, yeah, that's right. You know, I interviewed him for the book. Yeah. He's a exec at uh at Amazon now. Wow. And uh we were talking about what was the exploit re- there was an exploit recently where he's like, 
oh no, was that us? Oh yeah, was <laughs> that me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did we do that? Yeah, it was like a TCPIP exploit or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it might have been us. <laughs> it's just that's it's it's like it's okay, David. It's a long time ago. You weren't there. It's like but but yeah. but. Well, the funny thing is, uh, Matthias and Richard and I have been ready to record for 15 minutes, but we decided to play some games and oh, yeah. <laughs> check out the file manager. I didn't, I didn't remember that there was no X in the upper right-hand corner of yeah, the windows. Yeah. yeah, you had to close it because you have the program manager. Moving the uh, moving the X to the top right-hand was once a big deal. Like, that was a thing. Right. It's like, I can't believe we're doing this now. So cool. Sorry, I'm minesweeping now, so it's... Yeah, okay. Have to yeah. yeah. We might be able to ask Matthias some questions because Minesweeper has him. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember to press escape, folks, when you're done. That's how yeah, you get yeah. out of it. Yeah. All right, well, that's, that's, that's my better know framework, I and I'm sorry it, in advance to spouses everywhere who have yeah. lost you now to uh, exploring the past, but... Uh, who's talking? We're all a bit nostalgic nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who's talking to us, Richard? I grabbed a comic off of show 1321. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 400 shows ago. Wow. July of 2016. The name of the show is Understanding Cake with Gary Ewan Park. Because that's the first time we had cake on that is C-sharp make on .NET Rocks. I can't do cake anymore. I'm low carb. <laughs> yeah. It's bad for you. Sorry. Too much sugar and flour. Uh, let me be the first to make a cake reference. There you go. On you got it done. Whatever. Piece of cake. All right. But, you know, we, we, we were going to talk about Cake going to 1.0, and four years ago at NDC Oslo, we were talking to Gary about it, too. And, right. uh, and Chris Horton, who wrote this comment four years ago, said, I am so happy to hear you guys discuss Cake. It is a wonderful tool, and more people need to know about it. We've been using Cake for a bit over six months and absolutely love it. We made our way to Cake for the exact reasons that Gary mentioned, which were originally Nant, but I hate scripts in XML. Right. <laughs> then we started using <laughs> fake, but we are not F sharp developers. When we came across Cake, it was happy days. Yeah. Our current tool chain consists of Atlassian Bitbucket Resource. Jenkins is a build runner, which in turn calls Cake scripts, which build and create NuGet package that are then pushed through Octopus for deployment. Nice chain, man. I bet you four years on, you aren't using the same chain anymore, but I'd love to know. Yeah. Uh, having the full flexibility of the .NET framework within our Cake scripts has meant we were able to do some slightly strange things, but they've worked perfectly for our environment. And as we all know, everyone's environment is slightly different. Right. And I've also found that the guys are extremely helpful with responses when being asked questions on their Gitter channel. Oh, man. Is Gitter <laughs> still a thing? <laughs> oh, I haven't been on Gitter in forever. Yeah. We're free. Developers come to talk. Okay, Gitter's still a thing. All in all, great project. Thank, congratulations to Patrick Gary and the rest of the team. Um, many of which I think are still contributors too. But uh, yeah, Chris, uh, thanks for the callback. Uh, I, I hope when you hear this or you, you see me pinging you in disgust about it, that you do tell us uh, what your stack is now four years on. It was cool to see you were doing that stuff back then. And hey, Cake made 1.0. That's why we're doing this show. Yep. And a copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on Facebook. We publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. Absolutely. And uh, hey, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet if you can, you know, break away from Free Cell for just one minute. 
free cell. <laughs> you know I'm going to be playing free cell when we're done oh, here. Of course. Okay, well, let's uh, formally introduce Matthias. Matthias Carlson has been working professionally as a developer for 20 years. So, since 2000 or before, Matthias? Well, I started in operations night nine, so it's <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> 2000. All right, yeah, we we try to encourage people to say since, so the uh, the so bio can the age well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, his interest in coding started already in the eighties. Holy crap! With the Commodore one twenty eight, and the true passion came with the Amiga. Oh, I remember the Amiga two thousand. Yeah, good stuff. Today, he's a partner and senior architect at WCOM, a Microsoft partner located in Gothenburg, Sweden. He's also a Microsoft Azure MVP, a Microsoft Developer Technologies MVP, and a member of the OzCode Magician community. Outside work, he's a father of two, husband of one, and contributes actively to the .NET open source community, probably most known there for being one of the lead maintainers behind the .NET Foundation project, Cake. And I also happen to know he has excellent taste in scotch. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> it's your first time on the show, right? Yeah. So, long-time listener, first-time caller. Nice. So, it's been, I, I started, like, when I started on the show, like, it was 2002, I think, I started listening. And then it was the excellent guide that Carl did with torrenting down this uh, show. Yeah. Yeah. You had to, like, you had to install Java to listen to Dotted Rocks. Yeah, we we don't like to talk about those days. <laughs> those were the dark years. <laughs> it was Fraunhofer was going to try and lock down MP3 and then eventually right. died. But for, there was a period there where we didn't know what the heck to do, right? And putting yeah. the show out in four or five different formats. like boy, Well, and bandwidth was such a problem back yeah. then. Most people were on dial-up still. And, yep. uh, you know, people who had DSL were barely limping along. You know, better than dial-up. And then I think cable modems really sort of took over. But um, we have hung out a lot, Matthias, at various conferences, most notably NDC and Oslo, right? And uh, so, we've, we're all friends here. We just haven't had you on the show before, and I'm a little embarrassed. But uh, anyway. Yeah. I have my tablet show mug at least here. So, I have 10, uh, 10 inches of coffee right here to <laughs> keep me going through the show. <laughs> Excellent. You got to take care of that mug, man. There aren't any more of them. So, Cake is a a sort of a DSL for um, to wrap around compiling, um, but you you sort of like a C sharp make, right? And uh, I guess my first question is: At what point you're walking along, you're a developer, and everything's going fine, and Visual Studio's compiling for you, no problem. At what point do you hit a wall where you say, you know, I think I need a script language in here instead of just building yeah so i think cake is like a build orchestration tool so it doesn't replace the tools you use in build chains but it does give you a way to have a recipe for the whole tool chain mm-hmm. because usually you just like compiling is the easy part but you when you add a release process or something like a unit testing and you want to do things in a certain order right. then it becomes more complex uh, Does, so, but don't you have par- uh, hooks in there in Visual Studio where you can do pre-build and post-build things? Yeah, you can, but it's like it's then if you have the whole MS build, then you're back to the XML part, and yeah. MS build have become a lot better. But uh, if you have things like you want to create your NuGet packages, you want to create your Shopkit packages, sure, you have uh, you want to version your builds a certain way. 
uh, it, like you can easily see projects start with a uh, PowerShell file or a batch file or something like that, and it becomes unmaintainable. Uh, and yeah. I think the, just like the person said uh, in the uh, in the comment was like you start with something uh, which was actually the same journey as Patrick took. Like you start with something like a, a Sake or Fake or a Rake or one of the Ake systems, but <laughs> Bake. Yeah, Lake. <laughs> but there's also Lake would be Lisp. Make <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but okay. there's something we need to use the same language as yeah. the team uses. Yeah. So if you're an F Sharp developer, Fake is really splendid too. Uh, yeah. And if you're a PowerShell developer, like something like uh, PSake is excellent. But you don't need like you can uh, the same context switch. You can use the sure. same libraries. You can use the same constructs and the same like syntax you used to. Now I don't mean to get all meta here, but w- would you use Cake to build your Cake scripts? Well, that we use Cake to build Cake. So, <laughs> uh, and and I think the the main advantage there is that <clears throat> because well we like to make things complicated, we build Cake on. Like, well, it's uh, 12 CI systems that currently each commit. Wow. Uh, wow. And that that might seem crazy, but that's just so we can ensure that everything works as it should for the end user. That's the way Tim Allen would do it. <laughs> 12, <laughs> 12 CI servers. <laughs> and uh, it's also things like we have found really weird issues because if you see many build systems work kind of the same way, you have some way for them to communicate where they do some console messages or something. Right. Uh, so we had like one build system be able to break the other because of the console output. Mm, so right. uh, it's, um, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's also like the whole advantages because history have told us because it's been a journey, uh, hitting yeah. one parano because it's not that we haven't, we have like, Done 109 releases, so it's not that we haven't. <laughs> it has, yeah. hasn't happened things. So the bits Chris was using in 2016 were not that immature. Yeah. Like, what have you been doing for four years? That 1.0 shows up now. It's probably been working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been really stable. But we also we have done some major refactoring. Like we we be like many people don't know we we predate .NET Core by like two years or something like that. Wow! Oh wow! Uh, so, I mean, we were along for the whole ride of Project K and then .NET Core 1.0 in 2016. We had uh, things like .NET Core 2 in 2018 and .NET Core 3 in 2019, which were, if you did, if you like to do build things, they were pretty substantial changes to the build system each. Like 1.0 was JSON, then you go back to MS Build and there's been some uh, and we were cross-platform before .NET Core shipped because we hmm. we added Mono support to 2015. Right. Uh, so it, it's been uh, like when you had the whole tool chain has <laughs> shooken up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Means you have to. Uh, but we've been also really stable, so we've been very uh, pragmatic and conservative in <laughs> doing breaking changes and things like that. And, but I also got to imagine there were you know like when when. When the first .NET Core showed up and there was a JSON project file, I'm sure you also had a bit of a meltdown, right? Like, wait, what? <laughs> what do we got to change? Like, how do, how do we stay compatible now? Yeah, and, and, the, and the whole thing, it was really painful because many don't remember, but Montpotol was fairly limited. There mm-hmm. wasn't a the .NET standard. No. Uh, it was uh, essentially the, well, it was like .NET Core 1.6 was when it started to become 
like have some things, but right. in in one of the days it was very limited, yeah, uh, and it was really a subset. And that kind of interesting is when you have to multi-target. Uh, so it's the whole thing when they change fundamentally how like we don't want to use MS Build anymore. Now they're back to MS Build, but it was yeah. like okay, how are we gonna support both? Uh, but that's good part that we orchestrate tools. We can support both the, like the K things. Uh, we can support in the beginning X build, which was the mono, uh, equivalent to MS build. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. So it, it's been a journey with the whole, uh, it's happened a lot. Like, because I think like mm-hmm. since .NET 2.0 to 4.0, the tool change didn't change that much. Right. Uh, compared to how it has changed the last, uh, like six years. Yeah. Uh, so you, we we make it sound like it's complex, but really it couldn't. Nothing could be further from the truth, isn't it? Because we're C sharp developers, right? There's, uh, I mean, what you've done is essentially taken all the stuff that people have been doing with XML and other tools uh, and brought it to C sharp. So we know how to write C sharp code. So um, what are the kinds of things that we can do um, in a Cake script? Well, you could do. Anything because essentially what you see a cake script is almost like .NET 5 in a way that you can do the, the new where you can do the classless main classless main file right uh, because you can have uh, the main importance with scripting you can just take an entry point okay. uh, what cake adds to that is that it has a DSL with a concept of tasks so you can have uh, like an basically graph with in which order should I build things? Uh, and that's essentially called tasks in Cake. So that's a global method you can access. Okay, so task, that's different from the uh, asynchronous model task, right? Yeah. Uh, but also with a big advantage is that we also have uh, support for a lot of tools and we give, give you a strongly typed C-sharp interface to those tools. Nice. So instead of like what is the dash T for this tool? Well, that could be instead a target property, which is a typed file path or something like that. So we have right. an IO abstraction layer too. Uh, but it still, uh, it's still just C sharp. I mean, you can use the dot dot assemblies and things like that. Sure. Yeah. I can, I would imagine poly fits in here nicely, right? Yeah. And actually, uh, we use poly in our own cake scripts too when we deploy our website. Yeah. Uh, you have to be able to handle transient errors when you talk to external things. Nice. I wish more software had resiliency built in. I'm dealing with something right now in uh, the iPad slash iPhone world, uh, an app that does, it's like the only thing that does out there what I need it to do, except that, you know, it collects data from all of these iPhones. And if you breathe on any one of those iPhones while it's collecting, you're done. it's, It's just done. It hangs, it crashes, there's no recovery. Uh, just resiliency is a very, very important thing. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so you you have you have these tasks, not to be confused with you know the task library uh, task, but so as long as you keep those separate, you can also do. Uh, and I hate to <laughs> confuse people right off the tag, but you can make your tasks asynchronous as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we support both synchronous, uh, like the, the con, like the task has essentially, it does something. Yeah. And what it does is essentially you pass a lambda to it. And that lambda could be either a synchronous one or an asynchronous one. Right. And then you just say run target, whatever the task is named. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Uh, Azure DevOps side, like, again, there's a lot of pipeline stuff here that other people are using. Where, what's the relationship between Cake and Azure DevOps? Well, we have like a set of build providers. Mm-hmm. So we have things from like GitHub Actions to Continuous UI to Jenkins, uh, TeamCity, and Azure DevOps. And that's essentially, if you see Azure DevOps, it provides you uh, like proper method and C-sharp methods to upload artifacts, right. set the build number, and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't need to learn those service messages or those uh, internal APIs. Okay. Uh, nice. So that's like, so we have a set of build providers. So, uh, so essentially you can, you can check if you're running locally or some CI or a specific CI. And of course there's Visual Studio, both code and proper, for lack of a better word, I don't know, Visual Studio and Visual Studio code integration and also Atom integration, right? Well, yeah, but the better, like, the recommended, uh, we recommend is VS Code because that has the yeah. best tooling support at the moment. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just thinking through the the order of events here these days. That you typically, I'm seeing folks more and more. They just check code into GitHub, and that kicks off the process. Yeah. So that would typically be, I guess, it's not even Azure DevOps anymore. No, right? it's not. Like That's GitHub actions. GitHub actions. Yeah. Name yep. a product, but inside of that could be an invocation to Cake to do the build process. Yeah, and I think that's the main difference because each CI system has their own DSL, essentially. Right. Usually it's either YAML. a YAML file or oh, something. God, like I hate YAML. And the, like one problem there could be that, that it's very vendor specific, which means yeah. you, you can't uh, test it locally. Uh, and that's so common. I see people like I checked in the YAML and it, one space was missing. Yep. Or I checked in the YAML. I went to grab a coffee and then it failed. Or yeah. All you see all these like commits. They get more and more angry. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Rolled face on keyboard version two. Yeah. <laughs> I see dots at the end. You know, like you know, like please just work. Please. <laughs> have sacrificed chicken. <laughs> and the advantage with like if you use something like cake or fake or something like that is that it's essentially your YAML file will just describe your environment. So it will just be what operating systems will I run on mm-hmm. uh, and then essentially it will be a one-liner to like hand off the cake. Uh, and the advantage with that is that you can test the exact same process locally. So you can use the same script locally as you use on a CI. So you don't need to commit anything to test that it compiles. Right. Uh, so that gives you a more happy path or better feedback loop uh, to that. Uh, uh, and I think it's really nice to have, you have the possibility to, to have all your, your build recipe in your, uh, like version of your code. Hmm. Uh, and, and the good thing about that is like if you're migrating like to another CI system, the whole flow will be portable because it's cake is cross platform. So it will run on Linux, Mac and windows, right? But, but it also cross environment. So it will run on your local system and the build server and or your colleague's computer because that's the classic thing. Like how do I get to build this on someone's machine? Right. Uh, so. That's a big thing. And this also cross runtime. So it will run on .NET Core, .NET Framework, Mono, and now .NET 5. So it's, it will run anywhere and it, it will, you can use up to C Sharp 9. So 
Uh, it all depends on the stack you're on. So I think right. that's a big advantage. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about aliases? Yeah. Alias? So that's like the DSL. Like essentially, that's we have made, and that's great in part, a sense of yeah. methods globally available. So you don't need to think of which namespace are there and things like that. So, and that can be something like MS build, it can be dotted core build, X unit, uh, N unit, whatever. So we have a set of alias ready for us. So that's okay. essentially a global C sharp method. So you don't need to, you can just invoke it, uh, without no message. Yeah. I guess that's, uh, you know, global is okay when you're doing scripting because you're not really calling anywhere. You just have a script that runs and it's done. Yeah. yeah. But all these aliases are also like essentially you have, uh, Cake internally has a context. You can also run all. Essentially, it's just extension methods that we right. have code generated to be available. Well, yeah. So you can use uh, use these in um, like if you want something that is static, you can still pass that context and use all these aliases on that. Nice. So yeah, it seems like a lot of these decisions are based on what tool set are you using, as yeah. to you know which thing you're going to use. You guys must be using Roslyn under the hood. Yeah. So <clears throat> from the beginning, uh, Roslyn was uh was like the trigger that triggered this right uh, because they when they open sourced a bit uh they like this idea made, was made possible mm-hmm. uh also like but on it was very limited in the beginning because you weren't allowed to like binary distributed right so we had to we use monoscript on mono and roslin on uh on uh, windows uh fortunately we had good to unify that when uh, Roslyn was uh, .dot standard released. So then we can drop the model scripting and have unified. But uh, so and Roslyn is is what enables us to adopt like C sharp yeah. nine so quickly and things like that. Well, so I remember that origin- there was that period where you yeah you weren't allowed to include it in your package, but you could it was available freely for download. So you literally had a build system where you would go fetch. Roslyn and install it separately, and then yeah. So essentially, the first thing we did when we launched Cake is that we'll fetch Roslyn uh, <laughs> from NuGet and install it. Mm-hmm. Just just a licensing game once upon a time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the, those were the days. But yeah, so, the, the separation of C sharp as its own sort of standalone compiler and runner just gives you all that power. And it and same for like IntelliSense and stuff in your own code, you get all that functionality. Mm. All right. So when we talk a bit about runners, this is what invokes cake essentially at what point? Yeah. So that, that's where like our legacy comes in because we started on .NET Framework and right. Mono. So that's like that we have a runner for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then .NET Core came in 2016. So we have a runner for .NET Core. Uh, but since like the, the, the happy path we will be promoting now is the global tool, uh, which is essentially, it came with .NET Core 2 and it got more, a lot better with .NET Core 3. Right. And, uh, and that's essentially where .NET, the CLI tooling has support for third party tools to be installed, uh, either as globally, so it's available all over the systems. You can just type .NET cake or you can have uh, which is what I recommend. You can have a tool manifest created uh, like in your repository. Mm-hmm. And that way you can pin a certain version of a tool without, within that repository. And, and that's the, like the recommended way going forward. Yeah. Okay. 
And the advantage that is like on your CI, you can essentially just type .NET tool restore, and you will have all the tools available. And you can then you can do as .NET cake. So it's easy bootstrapping. Uh, but they all like cake tool, we usually like have a power script or something where you need to fetch that from you get something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And you call it cake frosting. <laughs> so, so cake frosting is our console runner essentially you don't use all the dsl stuff right but essentially you instead write a console application so it's more like how you would do with our asp.net core mm-hmm. uh, something similar so we have uh because there was like a need so there's not been like that great adoption of that, but it's there and we will ship it with Mono. Uh, like OctoKit, the uh, GitHub probably uses that to build there. So you can right. see it. it's, it's been used for years in production. Uh, and, and, but it's been something attractive for people to have something where you can have like the whole process in one script. Uh, because something like the, that the DSL adds that you normally don't have is we also have pre-process directives. So we have things like uh, a tool preprocessor directive where we can automatically fetch tools from NuGet or things mm-hmm. like that. So you can describe, I need this version of XUnit or something like that. We have also an adding directive to fetch assemblies from NuGet. Can I ask a very important question? Yeah. Is there such a thing as chocolatey cake frosting? <laughs> well, it is because we have cake is also available on uh, chocolatey. No. <laughs> you can download it there. I can get chocolatey cake frosting? Yeah. Wow. Probably. <laughs> uh, we're also available homebrew. So it's, <laughs> if you're on a Mac, you can download that. And we have all also, of course, the Docker containers available. So there's plenty of ways you can bootstrap that fits your process. Wow. wow. For sure. And gentlemen, I have to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Hey, Carl here with a very special offer for music to code by. You can now get the whole 20 track collection for $19.99 while electrons last. Go to my new store at pwop.e-junkie.com. That's pwop.e-junkie.com. And get it now before I change my mind. And we're back. It's Donna Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Yo. And we're talking to our friend Matthias Garlson about Cake becoming a 1.0 product after several years Yay. of steady development, yeah. which is in turns. But And it kind of makes sense now to me, thinking about everything you've been through, that because really with Core 3.1, we've gotten to a pretty stable version of Core. Like these, the subsequent revs are not going to be that big of a deal. Or are they? Are you afraid of 5? Like what will 5 do to you guys? No, 5 has been pretty like the only thing about 5 is that there's been many things where people think it's the .NET framework. Right. Because mm-hmm. essentially there's, we notice things like some dependencies. They, when I check which version they're running on, they say, they say start with .NET mm-hmm. and .NET Core starts with .NET Core app. But yeah. with .NET 5, it's .NET 5. So it's essentially the same as 4.0, but it's .NET Core. So it's been very confusing for some tools. Yeah. Because I think they're running on desktop, but they're running on the new thing. But it's definitely the next version of .NET Core. Yeah. So, but it's, it's the way forward. And I, and I, I agree with like, it's really stabilized with .NET Core 3. Mm-hmm. Like, with the 3.1, it was really, there were a lot of breaking changes between 1.0 and 2. Uh, and also, like, 
with the whole LTS releases and things like that, like 2.0 was very short-lived. I think people was didn't expect that because it was with 2.1, it was long-term support. Uh, so people were still wrapping their heads around the new release cycle, I think. And like that. Right. You've also made it easy for people to uh, make extensions, right? Yeah. In C Sharp. I think that was the, like, the most amazing part because we have over like, I think it's like 300 add-ins or something. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and that's what add-ins are in the cake for is uh, essentially is that you people have gone through the effort and decorate their code in a way so cake can uh, use them more seamlessly so they can import namespaces automatically and yeah, supply these aliases. You can use any new like any dot assembly from cake, but yeah, this yeah. will make it more convenient. Everybody um, likes to decorate cake. Is that where we're going? <laughs> cake <laughs> attributes. <laughs> it's, it's a gift that never keeps on giving yeah, it, it really like, is sprinkles <laughs> yeah everyone wants a slice of this, this. It, oh <laughs> come on are there is there such a thing as a candle object uh yeah. Pro- it probably comes soon like how about fondant I don't know what, uh, <laughs> can i can i new up a fondant <laughs> <laughs> you can do whatever you want. All right, so here's a, uh, here's a here's uh, a a trivia quiz for those who are listening at home. And I know you're home. You know why? Because of freaking we're COVID. All, that's why we're all home. Yeah, we're all home. <laughs> so in the creating add-ins page in the documentation, there's a uh, a static int method that is decorated with <laughs> cake property alias, and it's the answer to life. And you pass in an iCake context, and guess what it returns? 42? Yes, it's 42. Of course it's 42. <laughs> I love the fact that you guys have a sense of humor. Yeah. And the whole thing, like, why do you do, like, the, the big thing, I think, with the iCake context is that we provide an abstraction layer or things like the file system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we will, like, normalized paths, uh, things that's really like people will get wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, because it differs between like Linux and Windows. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also things like with tools that we will automatically will quote your arguments because there's so many things that, oh, there was a space in that right. user profile and things like that. But uh, am I hearing then if I can build an extension for cake following the rules, it's going to work across the platforms too? Because that's really yeah. cool. It's true. So if you target on a standard, uh, it will work. Uh, and if uh, and if you don't have any more needs than that, it will just work. Yeah. But if you need things like C sharp nine, then of course you will need to target on the five. Uh, right. Or if you need something in uh, uh, that's in that runtime, but you can make your code portable if it's in the moniker that's supported everywhere. That's really cool. And, and and part of making a great ecosystem, right? If we're going to be cross-platform, everybody should be cross-platform. Right. right. Yeah, and, and that's been really amazing because we started like the Cake Contrib organization. And that's been really successful. Where people, like it's totally voluntary, they can act, transfer their add-in to that organization. And that will mean that if anything would happen to them, uh, like the, the hit-by-bus thing, uh, someone else can take over and we can keep the ecosystem healthy. Wow. Uh, you're still, the products are still fully automatous, but we will aid them with things like documentation, uh, generating that. And, uh, we also build resources and, uh, doing, we have uh, like done recipes for how to build an add-in so you can get, uh, like focus on what your add-in does and not how the re- release process is. Yeah. Not all the plumbing. So you officially joined the .NET Foundation in 2016. What has that relationship brought you? 
because we've been talking about them lately. Yeah, so it builds some like resources like our Azure credits for hosting our website. Yeah, and yeah. build us uh, one of the more important things to be taken seriously in the enterprise is that the, they brought us a code signing certificate, a proper EV certificate. Oh, nice. So, so our runners are signed, uh, so you can know that it comes from uh, a valid source. Nice. That's actually really valuable. Yeah, very valuable. I think that's a that's a great value, and they will handle the renewal of that and everything, so that works. Of course, the prestige at dinner parties. <laughs> uh, like last pass and our email and things like that so that's been good yeah and also a good slack for for the maintainers to be able to communicate communicate between other each other from different projects yeah for sure and again it's all what is a healthy ecosystem it, it's interesting to me just looking at you know folks like, like you've been contributing this since the very beginning you and patrick like four years on, like lots of open source projects lose a lot more people than that. Like you guys have just stayed in this. Is it that interesting or do you depend on this heavily? Cause this is not your day job, right? Like you're not making cake for a living. No, but I do a lot of dog, like dog fooding because I use that work and right. I think oh, come many on. of us do it. Yeah. So the whole thing, like the, the project was released in May, 2014 mm, right. and I started to uh, like it was serendipitous because I was looking for a better way to build code. Right. Uh, and so I joined the product like that summer because I started like the whole thing. You start to nag people and then he started to like, show, yeah. show it with code instead. Right. <laughs> Just yeah. don't raise issues. So I started sending PRs and they joined the same year. Yeah. Uh, and it's been for like a lot of cake has been driven by real need. So we've been like, there's something that needs to build this. Uh, like we need to do a click once application. So we need uh, some age. We need to sign a tool. So we start to sign the code. So we start with sign tool. We need to build. So we do the MS build things. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a lot of things like we don't add it. If we don't use it ourselves, then we recommend it for add-ins. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I mean, there's some things that uh, like everyone uses, so like build systems, something that's, so that's in. That, that those batteries are included by default. Have you had add-ins that you've ultimately decided would be better served being part of the app? We have some things like uh, NuGet support. We are now discussing things like .NET tool support. Right. So currently, we have built-in NuGet support for uh, like regular tools, like uh, our but the .NET tool things we currently are, uh, and that's a good segue to like Cakes is very extensible. Mm -hmm. So we have. You can extend cake through modules, which are essentially assembly that can do, you can change the internals by we are like uh, independency, dependency action. So you right. can actually like add, uh, preprocessor actives or, uh, things like how do we handle IO or things like that. Okay. Uh, module. Yeah, so I'm trying to make sure I understand the difference between an add in and a module. Cause they, yeah. So, so module is essentially you want to change the internals of how cake works. Right. Uh, cake a good works example out. for that is, uh, like with the old .NET framework runner, uh, we have problems with long paths on Windows. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wrote a long path, uh, module that handles that, uh, like a low level because we have an IR abstraction layer. We can replace that layer to yeah. use something else. Uh, there's also like a chocolatey module, which will let you install tools from chocolatey. And a couple of those. Uh, there's also like a build system module that will, will add things like uh, reporting tasks uh, in a native way to build systems. Right. So you get them. 
uh, add-ins like extended. But we also have something nice which we call the recipes. You can actually pa- like package cake scripts as NuGet packages do and publish on NuGet. So that will mm. uh, let you do reusable scripts uh, that you can uh, re- have. Like I, this is how I build my .NET code. Uh, you can just load that up from NuGet. So in the documentation, right. I see there's a, a a fair bit of um, uh, time given to the concept of pinning, pinning versions. And so, what does that mean? I, mean? I know what pinning is, you know, using the same one. But why do we need to do that? Well, it's fairly important. I think one thing is when I have a release process, um, I want that to be as stable as possible. So one way to ensure that is that I use the same versions of my tools, same version of my build chain for each release. And if I want to change that, that's a controlled thing. So pinning a version essentially is like I'm using Cake 035.8. And that's and not I'm the using default. NUnit 3 or something like that. If you pin all your versions, you should be able to have a reproducible build. But that's that's not the default. Uh, I thought, you know, you use your tools and then they uh, did it. In this process, do things normally just download the latest and use that? Well, if you just do like a NuGet install, that will uh-huh. fetch the latest. Uh-huh. So it depends on how people have bootstrapped their process. Okay. Uh, or if you use something like the GitHub Action and don't specify a version, it will fetch the latest version of Cake. Right. Although I'd also say, if you were living through the .NET Core era of 1, 1.1, oh 2, yeah. 2.1, 3.3.1, like every one of those revs had breaking changes in it. Yeah, indeed they did. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, this is born out of pain because they've always presented this idea of you should just be compiling on the latest bits, except for that part that if you did it, it kicked you in the head. <laughs> yeah, right. I think a good example is when, like, when we ported to .NET Core 2, we didn't like use .NET Core 2 until we had ported it to .NET Core 2. So in the, right. Uh, so it's sometimes like when you use... You want you want your tool change to be say, stable, even if you're yeah. like the build bits are unstable. But it's also expensive to constantly be having to specify what versions. Like you, you want to be able to be compiling on the latest version all yeah. the time. And I think like it all depends on what kind of like process you want because we're seeing a lot of pain with the whole new .NET versioning system or something. There are small breaking changes when you go to the latest. So. Uh, it's, but also the same thing, like, there's a lot of bug fixes between, <laughs> so you will need to keep them. But I think just for the release process, uh, when you get the whole thing with uh, your ecosystem, when you, you want that to be stable and, right. Uh, and what you usually like do, like, well, have your nightly builds use the latest version, but then you will get the canary if something breaks. But I don't mm-hmm. want, if I commit something and I really need to get that bug fix out, I don't want to fight the build process in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want my code to build and ship. Yeah, and work. Yeah, and, and again, it's re- reliability factors. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I was like, in, in .NET Core, they had a sense of like the global JSON file, which, which you yeah. can do, either you can just roll forward to the latest or you can pin to a specific... Uh, and that's really cumbersome. If you pin to uh, just that exact version, uh, then you will have a lot of pain because then you have a lot of commits just increasing the .NET version because yeah. it, it wasn't a problem before when you get the .NET version every two years or so, but now we get every, one every month. 
Yeah. Uh, and then you'd use like, well, roll, roll forward, uh, like, like latest feature at least. So then you will at least go on the last three idiots. Yeah. Because you want to secure the patches and that. Yeah, you need to have. I, I appreciate you have to have good. You want control over this, but yeah, I think you. I said I almost want to be able to flip between modes and go compile on the latest. What happens? Oh, it blows up. Okay, compile to safe. Okay, that works. Yeah, we can. Do we spend time figuring out why latest is breaking things, or do we just move ahead because we've got other stuff to do? Yeah, and that makes total sense because that's like when we build cake. We actually, like, one of the tests is that we build cake for the cake version we just built. Right. Uh, just to know uh, things like you, like, realized with the dot and core free one, they added an overload to, like, the, I think it was two string or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that can actually break things uh, because that sure. changed the, like, the whole A curl. Like, now it's not a string array, it's sharp params or something like that. Uh, and, that's can catch you by surprise. Yeah. <laughs> so that's some things that, that is good to catch you early. So you want to, you don't want to be stuck on a really old version. Uh, yeah. Because then you will have like the whole falling off a cliff experience because it's the, like the amount of effort to take you to that version will be insurmountable. It's yeah. Yeah. I think the jump to five is going to be harder than we think. Cause clearly they're, you know, getting into the reality check mode of five. And sort of dialing things down a bit, so it, um, it and six is now sounding like the promised land. But so does everything that hasn't shipped yet. Um, and will also be like this. I think five will be in decision to go there because yeah. with with uh, like with .NET Core three and .NET four, it, it almost went hand in hand. If you were .NET standard, it will be you could at least have code on both platforms in an easy right. way, depending on what. If if it was a if it was a web app, sure, yeah. it just got tougher. The client solutions are just hard. But now, if you want C sharp nine, you need to go five. Uh, yeah. If you want the latest bits, uh, you need to go five. So it now it's more it's more decision like this is the way forward. Uh, before you had yeah, they're making it very clear that they they want well. I mean, that was true for C sharp eight as well, right? Well, you could make part of it work. Yeah. So so we did like the nullability checks. You could do some. Uh, some polyfills and get it working, but now it's not. It's not even the same runtime anymore. And I'm trying. Well, and, and that's the thing is, like, it got to a point where it's just too hard to keep dragging it forward. So, um, and previously know, it was more are. like compiling magic. So, the, essentially, like they did those syntax sugaring. But now with Dota Five, they're really taking the chance to modify the runtime. Okay. Yeah, no, I get it, and the, and it does feel like we're getting closer to stable. But this reunification is, a, I mean, a hard effort for them and, and ultimately a hard effort for us, too. And they're starting to unify things because it was one thing you saw in Product K days. There was a lot of inconsistencies between, like, just the different commands. Uh, and now we're starting to see the .NET CLI being more unified and more... There, there's still some oddities where there's sometimes, like, add source and something is source for to specify NuGet source, but it's getting more and more unified. Uh, yeah. So... The experience yeah. is getting more turnkey in a way. Yeah. But yeah. well, like I said, you you know, you guys have been through all of the pain of this reinvention of .NET, trying to make a product that depends on features of .NET deeply. And that sounds like for people, why don't you do the assist? Well, we're still supporting. Uh, yeah. yeah. And right. and one of the like like the biggest use have been like people doing Xamarin apps. 
And that's mono-based. So we don't want to drop that because that's yeah. like a big part of our so-called customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people don't realize that we support a, a wide variety of things. Uh, and mm-hmm. and also, we don't want to drop because people don't have a lot of... There's like still thousands of downloads of the Cake EXE. Uh, we've seen real takeoff on it. Like the Cake Tool is closing up to 3 million downloads now. Nougat, so it's wow. getting... Uh, like it's fun to see that that's taking like over the daily downloads, but there's still a lot of builds doing with old things. So that's yeah. why we want to go one or two because we will draw a line in the center that like this is the stable version for all those, and then we can start more trimming and breaking things in the future. Yeah, and it makes sense to me that you've got that people latched onto you for build pipelines to mobile because those are hard. Indeed, mobile especially if you see things like signing and a lot of zip lining things and there's been a lot of uh, magical things that once you get them right they will just work but mm-hmm. you need a recipe for it and that's the good thing like if you have a good script you can reuse that between products you just change the variables uh, and that's a big difference between something like the ms plus scripts it's really hard to reuse that between uh, you end up cutting and pasting it and then propagating errors yeah. across between multiple builds but if you have c-sharp you have proper variables and classes and we have we have uh, the notion you can opt into you can actually have a a type to build states you can pass that between tasks so you can do in your setup process you can say like this is the version this is my ms build properties and then you can reuse that between your like dotnet restore and build and publish so you get everything you don't need to like duplicate uh, the versioning or use uh, real yeah. things. We can reuse like proper code. Hey, I, I, I remember, I know this was early on in our conversations, but I don't remember what conclusion we came to. What's the story with GitHub Actions again? So with Actions, you have a couple of, we have a Git, like a real uh, GitHub Action action for Cake. So you can essentially don't need to like worry about how it's bootstrapped. You can just have a Cake script. But you can also just do the script thing, which most many do, where you just invoke the tool in a script task. Uh, but also okay. we have support for things like you can get metadata from GitHub Actions, so you can see what branch am I running on and things like that. Okay, cool. Very good. Yeah, so you could you could build some intelligence in there. But the, I mean, the bottom line is GitHub Actions becomes the orchestrator overall for the for the entire build pipeline, but it's invoking Cake. And Cake's doing do everything. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, and the big thing there is like I did a like a talk earlier this year where, where I could take my pipeline from Azure DevOps to GitHub Actions in a couple of seconds because I just right. needed to change how I uploaded my artifact. The rest of my recipe to building the code was the same. Nice. Uh, it was just what was CI specific I needed to change. And that's a big win, I think, because you can test it locally too, and you can test it uh, on different CI system. And uh, something can be economical reasons. I know sometimes with the mobile platforms, it could be that it's cheaper to build to iOS on this platform yeah. and better to build on Android on this platform. Therefore, you can use mm-hmm. the same scripts, the same versioning, if you can, and uh, for that. And you can, uh, because sometimes it's just, especially like with open source, we're so. We're spoiled a bit that there's so many free offerings. Right. But if right. you go to enterprise, it can be uh, things like data locality can be something that makes what which tool you chose right. and uh, what kind of like SLA or whatever integrations. Uh, and this way, you can have like the same orchestrator regardless. Hmm. I'm thinking about Pulumi. Yeah. 
because they're, I mean, they're, that's Luke Hoban and, and Joe Duffy and those guys. I mean, it's much more the infrastructure is code mindset rather than a build system. It's all C sharp. Yeah. But Plume is essentially a .NET assembly. So you could use that in your cake scripts if you want. Right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what they provide is that essentially the state of your infrastructure. So they mm-hmm. will transition you from one state to another. Uh, but it's still, they, one of the, like, this word many languages, one of those is C sharp. And so you can, you can use that in either as many do, you can just do a, a console application and invoke that, or you can use it in a, in a cake script as a reference. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, good. It's a good thought. It, it is interesting to see how the, all the different pieces play together and how much stuff you can write in C sharp these days. Yeah. Wow. I'm blown away. Hey, uh, one question before we, uh, wrap this up. Have you ever met anybody, Matthias, that went to Yale? I have not. Well, I mean, How about Harvard? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for a good Swede to come on here so I could do that joke. All right. Uh, anything else that we missed? Well, I think people should, like, give it a try. Uh, and... I think the big thing that I think both the like the commenter raised that we I think we have a pretty like friendly community. Yeah, uh, we spend mm-hmm. a lot of time like reach out on the Gitters. Now it's we've started like also GitHub discussions. Right. Uh, we're on Twitters. Just reach out and because a lot of things aren't cake related, but as we are the build system, we will hear of like weird MSL things and. Yeah. You get or whatever. So right, and you have a lot of contributors. Are, do you need more? Always more, especially uh, things like documentation, and uh, we we try really hard. Especially now with one we've done a real push on the website to try. Like people sometimes forget that we are just nine people doing this in our spare time. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and I think for that kind of thing, I think we have a really good website and good documentation. It can always become better, uh, and essentially things like example code and blog posts are really helpful mm-hmm. to get people get starting and help assist uh, like uh, stack over for questions and that. that's yeah. and 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 have had a really great community I'm, I'm blown away to see how people mm-hmm. use cake in all kinds of situations yeah. there's people that essentially used it just to try c sharp because that's an easy way so, so one school used it just to be able to have a low barrier entry to c sharp because wow. it's just a file and you just invoke the tool mm. very good well awesome. we wish you the best of luck with your 1.0 launch and further and we hope to hear some more from you in the future thank you yeah I hope so alright thanks again and thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. 
got a transmitter band.